Uh, did you fix the faucet? <laughs> the price That's is That's amazing. Paint the fence. What is going on, fellow passengers, and happy 2024 to you. We are so glad to have you with us on this journey. You know me, I'm Scotty. You know her, that's Heather. You know him, that's Trevor. You guys having a great 2024 so far? So far, so good. So far, yeah. <laughs> the, but the year is young. The year is definitely, <laughs> most definitely young. We're here to look at our old film with new eyes for this month, and that is going to be The Karate Kid. And I do say The Karate Kid. Trevor, when you were doing uh, Jurassic Park and you said you probably could have done the episode immediately after it was picked, this is me. I could have done Karate Kid immediately, <laughs> immediately after. But before we jump into that, I guess we should uh, talk a little bit because uh, some really good movies came out in December and uh, and just recently in January, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, you and I went and saw a crazy one yes we did absolutely bonkers and that's uh poor things Mm -hmm. which is about as absurd of a movie as i've seen since everything everywhere all at once Mm -hmm. and yeah it was it was absolutely fantastic i loved it yes bonkers in a good way oh yeah because like when you're watching it it's like there's parts of it that kind of get in your head and you're like man what am i looking at here but then when you think about it afterwards it just it just gets better in thinking about it later especially like that dance scene that's made its rounds through social media yeah i think it was great it'll be a heavily nominated movie it could give emma stone her second oscar we'll see things are looking up for that right now i know we're recording this and at the time that we're recording it the globes have already shown Mm -hmm. we got nominations out for the screen actors guild we got nominations out for the directors guild and for the the producers guild so things are shaping up to be a very interesting uh oscar season this year with probably much like it happened in july at the box office oppenheimer and barbie going head to head Mm -hmm. we'll see who comes out on top i it's probably going to be oppenheimer though at least that's the way it's looking right now but a lot can happen between now and then well barbie made more money so you know we we kind of had that discussion that barbie was probably going to be more commercially successful but oppenheimer would probably be more critically successful Mm -hmm. that's exactly what it's been like and i actually could also speak up for a movie i caught there towards the end of the year right those last couple days uh, i went to a theater to see the iron claw uh the film about Mm -hmm. the uh, the von eric dynasty the brothers and that film was amazing zach efron was so good and him and jeremy allen white were both so so good it's an excellent film yeah that's one i hadn't seen yet and um i look forward to catching that one whenever i can Mm, it's gonna be very very much worth it so uh, anyway jumping into our top five you know we got to hit a top five for the episode since we are talking about the karate kid and some famous fights i thought we would talk about top five movie fights so broad category could be a fist fight could be a gun fight could be a food fight depending Mm. on if it's a really good food fight so uh (laughs) uh, let's start with uh, heather what do you think what are those top five movie fights for you all right well this uh, might come as a surprise to some of our listeners, but I don't really sit around and watch a whole bunch of movies filled with violence. So my list might look a little bit different than Scotty and Trevor's. But the first one that I have uh, is the scene in The Princess Bride where Wesley, the farmhand, is like up on the cliffs with uh, Inigo Montoya. I just thought that scene was really uh, fun to watch and they just had some witty dialogue going back and forth and definitely worth watching. So number two on my list is uh, Rocky where he fights Apollo Creed. And then I have, um, you know, I really enjoyed the movie Fight Club. And so there are lots of great fight scenes in that movie. 
movie where I guess Tyler Durden is fighting himself, basically, I think is what we find out. Spoiler alert. <laughs> when did that movie come out? Like 1999? You've, you've, you've had time. Yeah, you've, you've had you've time. Had, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. And then I think some of the other great scenes uh, were in The Matrix when Neo is, you know, fighting all the the agent he just does some crazy bending and moving and flips and you gotta add gymnastics to a fight it makes it fun and then of course uh i kind of cheated on the last one um because i do think the the best one that i have seen by far is daniel versus johnny in the karate kid i don't think that's cheating okay it, it fits mean, it fits <laughs> yeah it definitely fits uh trevor how about your top five movie fights okay well mine are going to be completely different from hers perfect it, it's a broad category it's to be expected yeah. that's okay i know she brought up the matrix and scotty i guarantee you're gonna bring it up too i have i have no love for that movie (laughs) whatsoever i never fell for it the way everyone else kind of did i just didn't think it was all that fantastic at all in my mind sure the fight scenes were pretty cool just my opinion one movie in particular that puts all the martial arts in in the matrix to shame i think is in crouching tiger hidden dragon which came out a year after so that's one on my list the fight scene between uh zi zhang and michelle yo is mm-hmm. incredible great choreography just so awesome i love it mm-hmm. since we're talking about broad category of fights let's go to a gunfight it gets no better than the bank robbery and street scene that follows in heat Mm -hmm. Uh, that just gets me going every time i see it it's amazing um they recorded live sound from Mm -hmm. the guns oh cool which is why if you watch it it sounds very different because it doesn't have gun effect sounds it's actually the blanks in those rifles being fired off and Mm -hmm. they filmed it right in the middle of downtown la so you just hear the sound ricocheting off the buildings it's so cool i love it (laughs) let's stick uh actually mine are all pretty modern we'll go with the kill bill scene the crazy 88s that's thief thief. yeah i figured you would have that on there that one's pretty good Mm -hmm. i mean there's there's really no shortage of really good fights there that you could pull from in that movie the one that opens the movie with vivica a fox Mm -hmm. or the one at the end with oren ishii getting her head lobbed off or the the top of her head lobbed off (laughs) yep but uh yeah the the crazy 88 scene is is really good what's that called the house of blue leaves if my memory is Mm -hmm. right something like that that. really great really great stuff uh in black and white to keep the NC-17 rating from happening. because It was just funny. comical amounts of fake blood. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then uh, that's three. So then how about the... Um... I know you guys haven't seen this, but uh, you've seen its influence, I'm sure. The hallway scene in Old Boy. Oh, oh boy, is that good. <laughs> that is so good. One long, unbroken take, take of him just fighting all sorts of bad guys coming at him right down a hallway. It's it's awesome. It's amazing. And anytime you see something since then that takes place in like a narrow space like that, their Daredevil series mm-hmm. on uh, Netflix, they had a hallway scene that was very similar to that, including the unbroken take. There was, uh, I, I don't know, there's, so many movies that have come after that where I'm looking at a fight scene and I'm like, oh, this guy watched Old Boy. Like, I know that's where it came from. <laughs> so, and then we'll cap it off with one of the greatest fight scenes in the history of cinema. And that is Bob Barker kicking Adam Sandler's butt. <laughs> and Abby Gilmore. The price that's is That's amazing. <laughs> love it yeah you know what Who, who'd have thought that in that movie that would be like so timeless like we would everybody would remember that mm-hmm. <laughs> um so for my five uh with an honorable mention to the matrix mainly because i did think those fights were very very good uh wow it didn't make you your know, top five an honorable not, mention i gave an honorable mention i did oh man um, 
And I will uh, confess that I did make a few changes in the moment because some of you stole mine and I didn't want to be that guy copying folks. So obviously I think a boxing scene belongs in here and Heather did mention Rocky. It's it's very good, but I did want to give a side note for great boxing to Million Dollar Baby. thought the fight scenes in Million Dollar Baby were very, very well done. Mm -hmm. Really enjoyed those. Mm -hmm. For other fight scenes, I think you can't talk about movie fights without saying Jackie Chan's name. So uh, Rumble in the Bronx gets a vote for me on this because that was an amazing fight. Uh, if you go back and look at the way he him and his team choreograph fight scenes. There's a pace, there's a rhythm. They're kind of, they're almost, they're very fun to watch for that reason. And some of the creative things they use. I, I huge yeah. Jackie Chan fan. His, his stuff is very, very creative in that regard. They, they do a very good job of keeping your attention focused on where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Cause a lot of fight scenes can just get cluttered mm -hmm. with too much stuff going on, but their stuff was always choreographed for you to not really get confused a lot on that. I think even his stuff, they even, they even dress them differently too. So it's not like two guys dressed in, black kicking each other's butt like in the mm -hmm. matrix that's mm -hmm. and then when you get all those agent smiths together it's kind of like well which one what what are we you know yeah, yeah look it, lo it looks like jello fighting itself yeah but when you have one guy in black and one guy in white and they're beating each other up it's very easy to tell who's who and also mm -hmm. who i should be rooting for mm -hmm. yes and uh the painstaking attention to detail uh you can hear jackie talk about some of the movies and, and 120 takes to get a scene right and to get a move flowing exactly right i just really love his passion to craft so i, I thought you had to say his name if you're talking talking about movie fights. Vader and Luke from Return of the Jedi, referencing one that we did talk about in a previous episode, that lightsaber fight where Luke just comes out like a crazy person, uh, as Trevor mentioned, in one shot, kind of following everything. I thought that was really good. Bill Bill made my list. I can't really change much about that. I was specifically thinking of the fight scene with the crazy 88. And uh, and Heather, to, to give you some context on that, when we mentioned the copious amounts of fake blood, the uh -huh. thing that made the scene kind of funny is when people were slashed and bled, they didn't bleed like a typical wound is going to bleed. Like, mm -hmm. they would have one where they, she would cut a guy's arm off and the blood would come out of his arm like it's coming out of a sprinkler like super fast super loose like, like comical like he would laugh like, at it because you know it's not real like when right. you're on a when you're on a uh, like a garden hose and you put your thumb on the end of it and it just sprays out mm. like, yeah uh -huh. yeah and they would scream like they were really hurt it was, it was very comical and again tarantino was really good at that you could also mention the the fight scene with uh, brad pitt's character and the the guy pr playing bruce lee uh in once upon a time in hollywood because <laughs> that was funny last My one i'm gonna registered mention as lethal weapons if i were to, right. if i were to kill you I would go to jail. Anyone that would hit you and kill you would go to jail. It's called manslaughter. Any, anyone would go to jail. Yeah, I know. He delivered that so well. That was funny. And last one I'm going to mention because it's a movie fight and it's it's kind of childish, but it is a gunfight. I do give a vote here to Commando because uh, I watched that as a kid. Completely copious. Arnold Schwarzenegger, just shots of him shooting in random directions and guys doing gymnastic routines falling all over themselves as he kills hundreds of people with a machine gun. That was that, that part was hilarious. Uh, shout out to my couch as a child for fracturing my collarbone, uh, recreating that scene while I watched the movie. Shout out to the couch shout ouch. out to the couch the the couch where a lot of ouch that particular day so you busted uh your butt on there my butt just sat on there watching movies all day I, hey man arnold i got up for arnold let's not talk about how old i was when that film was on either because there's a lot of crap in that movie that one for kids yeah <laughs> uh so uh shout out dad thanks um Heather, let's give some of the details here on Karate Kid uh, cast and things like that. So the Karate Kid was released on June 22nd, 1984, starring Ralph Macchio, Noriyuka, Pat Morita. Just, just Pat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they called it Noriyuki because they wanted to play his heritage up. <laughs> Elizabeth Shue, William Zabka, Martin Cove, and Randy Heller. Directed by John Avildsen, written by Robert Mark Kamen, and the music was done by Bill Conti. Let's give the shout out to Bill Conti because he's also famous for one of the greatest musical themes ever, the theme to Rocky. 
Mm-hmm. So a oh, re- we talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Re- mm-hmm. Reteaming with him and um and uh and uh, Abelson here for for that they had made Rocky about I don't know maybe eight years before this mm-hmm. and was uh Abelson won Best Director for that and won Best Picture and I think Bill Conti made one Best Score for that too so mm-hmm. um it's like a re- reteaming of them all here for this one because let's be honest what is this movie if if not a uh you know Rocky for teens and karate. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Underdog, underdog story for sure. Uh, Trent, what's some of the critical information about, about Karate Kid? Yeah, it's uh, really well liked for sure. Opened at the box office with $5 million on its opening weekend at a time when that was considered a good opening weekend you know mm-hmm. now it's kind of like you open with five million dollars it's like oh no that's a loss it's gonna be yeah. on send it to streaming aquaman two point eighty million dollars <laughs> it's a bomb yeah yeah exactly but this goes on to gross 91 million dollars and it only was made for eight million so that's pretty good audience score at rotten tomatoes uh showing 82 and the critical uh, critical score was 89 the critic consensus is utterly predictable and wholly of its time but warm, sincere, and difficult to resist due in large part to Pat Morita and Ralph Macchio's relaxed chemistry. Pat Morita is the star of this movie, pretty much. I mean, Ralph Macchio is the lead role, but this movie would not be what it is without Pat Morita. He was the the gem of this film, for sure. <laughs> and it was rewarded for that uh, with nominations at the Golden Globes uh, that year, or 85, I guess, the following year. Golden Globe Best Supporting Actor for Pat Morita, and then uh, also at the Academy Awards, nominated for Best Supporting Actor as well ironic considering that the studio did not want him yeah how about that at least that's that's the detail i'd read is um because at the time it has to be pointed out in context that pat Morita's most famous role at that point had been on a comedic show mm-hmm. yeah true yeah he was uh he was arnold on happy days but well, uh he you know. he lost to a he lost to another person of asian descent that year for best supporting actor so he didn't win that uh that oscar that ended up going to and i'm gonna butcher his name um <laughs> hang s gore Nagore, i don't mm-hmm. know n-g-o-r for the movie the killing field which is ah. also really, really, really great. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, that's who he ended up losing to. Hmm. It's uh, I thought it was a really great collection of cash in this film, even aside from, as you've said, Machio and Marita, who quite frankly, their chemistry really does make the movie, right? That relationship yeah. between the two of them is just so iconic. But talk about Elizabeth Shue for a second. A couple places list this as her feature film debut. I had seen her in a feature film I'd listed. IMDb's got her listed on a film before that. She was also funny enough in a Burger King commercial for Christmas uh, the year before that oh. apparently played a part in her getting the role but um, paused her time as a student at Harvard to be in this movie. And, Mm, you know, I think she's done pretty well for herself since. Yeah, smart move. She was everywhere in the 80s at that point. I mean, she became kind of a kind of an it girl at that point. Uh, Avengers and babysitting and then the following um, the mm-hmm. second and third parts of um, of the Back to the Future movie or Back to the Future series. And she kind of trails off a bit. Uh, she was ended up getting nominated for an Oscar in the 90s for Leaving Las Vegas mm-hmm. with Nicolas Cage. That is so depressing, but I love it so much. And she's oh. really good. And Nick Cage is I mean, he, he wins the award for that movie. Just awesome. Mm-hmm. So I but then she's in one of my least favorite movies of all time as well. It came out a couple of years later, and that is The Saint. So I, I have no love for that movie. <laughs> not not that, a fan of The Saint. Not a fan of The Saint. You know, like if I'm a, if I'm a, a movie critic and I was reviewing that movie, then it, in the newspaper when you cracked it open in 1997, you'd see my review for The Saint, and it would say zero stars. <laughs> Thumbs well, way down. Also got to mention her very recent success uh, playing Madeline Stilwell in The Boys as well. She's very good. 
good in that. Yes. I have, uh, I've enjoyed that very much as well, but uh, she was an excellent star in this film. Billy Zabka. Got to talk about Billy Zabka and Martin Cove. Great bad guys. Mm, really? Billy Zabka, yes. Which, uh, yeah. Billy Zabka was such an effective bad guy. Apparently extras booed him when the camera wasn't rolling. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the camera's not rolling and they're still booing him. In fact, I was reading that his mom was in the crowd during filming and was happy. Please stop. No, he's a nice guy. Please stop. Zabka. <laughs> yeah. Apparently uh, his mom was in the, apparently his mom at one point was during filming and didn't love the fact that they were booing her son, even when the mm-hmm. cameras were not rolling. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty harsh. Yeah. This movie appears on the American Film Institute's 100 years list. Mm-hmm. They did those in the late 90s, early 2000s, and I wish they would still do them because they were always really good. 100 years, 100 something. And mm-hmm. uh, this movie appeared on the 100 years, 100 cheers list. Uh, so like your best uplifting movies of all time. Yeah. It was number 98, but I'm disappointed that we didn't get uh, either of our either of our villains on one of the villain lists because they had a... <laughs> 100 years, 100 heroes, and 100, 100 heroes and villains, and it was 50-50 for both of them, and um, mm-hmm. uh, neither of them were on there. But neither was Ralph Macchio either, so... Oh well, that's kind of depressing. And sweep the leg wasn't on wasn't on a hundred years, a hundred quotes because that one seems to have lived on. Nor was wax on, wax off. Oh, and, everybody still gets that. So you know there was several highly quotable things in here that that mm-hmm. didn't. You know we still talk about today. They weren't mentioned on those lists, which is fine. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, very very highly quotable. <laughs> you can well a hundred a hundred movies in a hundred years, right? That's what we said. Yeah, that was started in um like i think it's the first list was like in 1997 or something mm-hmm. so they were celebrating 100 years cuz i guess the first movie was 1897 yeah and they did one of these lists every year for about probably close to 10 years i would think mm-hmm. 100 years 100 films 100 stars 100 yeah years 100 thrills it's just stuff like that right so if that's the case you're you're saying that that those bad guys those good guys whatever that feature was in karate kid would have been the best one of that year of movies and this was a pretty good year for movies yeah I'd have to look up the 100 villains list and see if I'm right. But this was 84. So this could mm-hmm. have been Amadeus and you could have had uh, Solieri yep. as one of the as one of the villains. I don't know if he's going to be on there or not. Well, look at it real quick and see if I can if it just jumps out. I don't see it right now. But um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, we didn't have him on there or we didn't have either of these two guys on there. But uh, I mean, while I got it pulled up, you, you want to take a guess who number one is the number one villain of all time? Number one villain of all Ooh. time? Darth Vader. He's number three. According <laughs> oh. to this list. Yes. <laughs> Dang. Villain. Okay. Sorry. So villains movie. Um, gosh, go ahead. What's what, what, what's number two? Give me number two and maybe that'll pop my brain. Number two is Norman Bates from psycho. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So number five is nurse ratchet from one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Number four is the wicked witch of the West from the wizard of Oz. Number three is Darth Mm -hmm. Vader. Number two is, um, Norman Bates from psycho. And number one is Hannibal Lecter. Uh, Sure, um, sure. And while we're here, why don't we talk about the heroes? Who's the number one hero of all time? You'll never guess this. <laughs> I probably won't because my first <laughs> guess there would have been uh, Luke Skywalker, which would have also uh, top five. Okay, top five. Uh, number five is uh, Marshall Will Kane from High Noon. Perfect. Okay. Number four is Rick Blaine from Casablanca. Okay. Number three is James Bond. Generic. Um, okay. Yeah, James. Very generic. Then they listed as James Bond from Doctor No. But okay. Whatever. Number two is Indiana Jones. Okay. And the number one mm. hero of all time is Atticus Finch. Mm. Who's that? From To, from Kill, to Kill a, a Mockingbird. Bird. Yep. Huh. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a list with a message. Sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This list was out in 2003. Okay. So no hate now, on Atticus Finch, but I think if I'm looking at some of the best heroes in cinema, I'm not sure a lawyer becomes my first choice. No, Indiana Jones probably. 
um, uh, yeah. at that one there. Since we're talking about this, does does Mr. Miyagi be on, belong on this list? Oh, yes. Yes, totally. I, oh, yeah. thousand percent. I mean, I think he does. So, <laughs> I mean, because you look at the bottom of the list, number 50 is General Maximus Decimus Meridius. Nah, get him out of here, man. Let's put Mr. Miyagi up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you we would find one on that list that Miyagi could replace. There it is right there. Yeah. yeah. Number, number 49 is Andrew Beckett from Philadelphia. I love Philadelphia. Tom Hanks is great in that movie, but come yeah. on, let's yeah. let's get this is Miyagi. Throw him in there. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So speaking for a second, then of the of the scene, the characters in the film, some of the casting, if you look at uh, some of the cast and the people that were filmed in it, apparently the list of people who were considered for the role of Daniel LaRusso, well, I'm sorry, originally Daniel Weber, uh, it said that the character's name originally was Daniel Weber. And then when they cast Ralph Macchio, they were like, we probably should change the last name. Need to get a more jersey last name. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Complete who's who of the actors chosen that, that were in the running to play Daniel. Name somebody, Trevor, from the 80s. They're probably on the list. Michael J. Fox? Actually, not him. No? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Who do we got? But you, you could probably do good on the rest of them. I mean, I've got at least 10 names here. Go for it. List them off. So uh, Sean Penn, mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. Oh, he'd have been a baby. Mm-hmm. Charlie Sheen and John Cryer. John oh, Cryer. wow. And uh, Emilio Estevez. Uh-huh. Nicholas uh-huh. Cage. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no, that would have been no. I need to go to the universe where that movie exists and did see you, Nicholas. Did you, did you fix the faucet? Uh, did you fix the faucet? <laughs> um, uh, let's see. I got five more names. Um, Anthony Edwards. I could see that actually. Yeah. C. Thomas Howell, who had been in quite a few films at this time. Yeah, it was before that. Was he Outsiders? Was he in that? Th- this was, yeah, he was in The Outsiders, which apparently was a big factor in uh, Ralph Macchio getting this role. Okay. Another one of his co-stars from The Outsiders, Tom Cruise, was apparently considered for the role. Mm-hmm. Eric Stoltz. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy, yeah. Had two shots at two great roles, right? <laughs> and uh, D.B. Sweeney. Uh-huh. No, it'd be I had, great to, if I had to look Eric, him up, but... It'd be great if Eric Stoltz had turned down this movie to go film Back to the Future. <laughs> well, yeah, you're no, fired. Poor... Can I get yeah, my right? karate kid job? Nope. <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's a big list of uh, of actors, and it's kind of a again, it's kind of a who's who, right? I mean, that's a very successful list of of applicants. Mm-hmm. Apparently, for the role of you know for Elizabeth Shue's role, it says from what was published, she beat out Helen Hunt and Demi Moore to be in this film. I cannot see Demi Moore in this film. <laughs> I How cannot Demi picture Moore that. Been in 1984 because that I can't picture her either. But I'm also thinking like. I'm also trying to picture like 80s Demi Moore and I'm thinking like few good men Demi Moore mm-hmm. and not um, not what she probably would have been in 1984. So she was born in 62. So she would have been 18. No, 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could. I mean, Elizabeth, she was probably right around that age, too. So I don't know. Maybe. So 83, Helen Hunt was in Choices of the Heart. That was a TV movie. I'm sorry. Trancers, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Highway to Heaven, Waiting to Act. Those were her films around this time. So uh, probably would have been a big break for her, too. Yeah. Huh. I mean, for anyone, Elizabeth, she certainly had a big career for this. I mean, they tried to bring her back for Karate Kid 2 and like, nope, she's not going to do it. So they had to like come up with a like, what was it? Two days after the after the county tournament. And it's like she dumped me. <laughs> yeah, they, it, it was one of those convenient things that happen in movies. <laughs> Uh, and still does happen, right? Where there's a there's a story, and the first thing the audience must know is, well, where's person X? And they're yeah. like, nope, nope, sorry, terrible accident in the Bahamas. She's gone. Like, you know, they just they they write her out of the film in like two lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's it's fun when they like write them out like that. Just and none of it's ever a good reason why. I think yeah. the most egregious one I remember is um, Ocean's Thirteen. They didn't get Julia Roberts back, and 
Yeah. They just, the only thing they said about it was, this isn't her fight. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. They'd made every other fight her fight prior to that. Uh, oh, man. Well, so when we all first saw Karate Kid, what was our impression? Heather, how about you? I love this movie when I was a kid. I positively love this movie. I remember sitting around watching it like on cable and just always enjoyed this movie. You know, we mentioned this a few minutes ago, but Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita, like just the relationship that they had on screen just was so genuine. Um, even as a kid, I was like, man, this is awesome. Despite the, you know, the uh, martial arts. I mean, even as a little girl, I still was like, this film is so amazing. You know, there, there's something about the film that I think connects with young, you know, with younger kids, because every kid had their Johnny Lawrence. Every kid had their, mm -hmm. their sort of arch enemy. Maybe it wasn't as complex as we get into big karate fights outside school dances, but we all had kind of an arch enemy, somebody that we were like, okay, if I see that person, it's a bad day. And, you know, have this fantasy about confronting them in some mass setting and then humiliating them, right? Yeah, I think in that's a completely peaceful way where no one gets hurt, by the way. That, was, that sounded very childhood trauma-ish for a second. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think you make a good point, right? Whether it's someone who bothers you every day in the lunchroom or in gym class or whatever. But yeah, that, I think a lot of kids can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Trevor, how about you? Yeah, I obviously I saw this growing up. I don't remember exactly when um, we had this recorded off of like a HBO free weekend or something. And it was uh, I remember the um, the tape didn't start until after they had already gotten in the car and they were going. So yeah, which on the rewatch is only like two minutes of screen time that we didn't have oh my uh, god my taping my, i remember my tape didn't have that either no yeah, yeah i had it on credit. vhs same thing i never knew about the whole leaving that city thing well it started like it, it, i remember it, it it started it comes on like it's on vhs so it's like all garbled and whatever yeah mm -hmm. and you just kind of see them because they had to push the car so you just sort of saw you saw <laughs> machio jump in the car and he was like i'll see you in the summer or whatever his line is and that was just that's where i always remember the movie beginning mm -hmm. and when i watched it on the rewatch of course we have of the whole thing so there was just a little bit in front of that that i'd never seen before <laughs> yeah but uh yeah we watched it on that and um i mean i watched a lot we all thought we could do karate after watching that i mean people in the <laughs> people in the schoolyard be like oh, i'm gonna kick your butt they get up in the crane thing and Heck yeah and everyone wanted to do karate after that i don't know about where where y'all grew up but where i grew up it was like everybody wanted to do karate and we had this little karate studio that was right down the road from our house you could walk to it and i wanted to do it but i was never allowed to um, <laughs> we had some kids in the neighborhood were there and i'd see them walking down the street down there in their in their karate get up and all that and mm -hmm. yeah they'd be like they thought they were the toughest kids in the neighborhood or whatever because they they knew they knew karate we'd walk by there because it was right next to the video store we'd walk by there and um <laughs> i remember once i wanted to do it and we walked by there and they're all in there like meditating they're just kind of sitting on their knees with their eyes closed or whatever my mom yeah. was like see does that look fun i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> shout out to mrs kirkenthal for, for a very very good line in the moment right hey yeah. they're not even fighting in there do you see that oh that's yeah, yeah we're not gonna pay for that if you're just gonna sit on your knees for an hour Our slick parenting job i tell I you guess. what yeah. that is impressive <laughs> oh goodness so for me i would yeah Man, just just love the love the film. Love it so much. One of my favorite parts of the film is that relationship between Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita, which honestly gets off to kind of a slow start. I mean, they don't become friends. Really, what? Johnny's Daniel's gotten his butt kicked once or twice before him and Miyagi even start talking, right? Oh, yeah, he definitely did. Yeah, it was a lot. It took a lot longer than I remember it taking to get to where we're going to start, like, 
actual training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did take a minute because you had that, you had that infamous beach scene. You know, it's kind of funny when Heather and I were watching it on the rewatch, uh, since the movie came out, um, we're both big fans of how I met your mother. And uh, Barney Stinson, the famous character on that, did have this whole theory about how uh, Billy Zabka was the karate kid and Daniel just got in his face and instigated stuff for no reason. And then they later on had Ralph Macchio and Billy Zabka both on the show. And it was so funny to me because I actually thought, you know, Heather, let's give this a look. And then five minutes in, I'm like, God, I just fell for a Barneyism. There's no way that's accurate. <laughs> it's totally not. But with his character being what it is on that show, you can see where his mind would go there. So. Yeah, yeah. He would he would go to the guy that's actually really good at karate. Yeah. So, uh, but speaking of that, it's kind of funny. I was looking at Roger Ebert's review of the movie and I did want to point this out because it is something that came up later, including from Ralph Macchio himself. So Roger Ebert's review said, I didn't want to see this movie. I took one look at the title and figured it was either A, a sequel to Toenails of Vengeance or B, an adventure star uh, pitting Ricky Schroeder against the Megaloth Man. I was completely wrong. The Karate Kid was one of the nice surprises of 1984. An exciting, sweet temper heartwarming story with one of the most interesting friendships in a long time which led me to the question i'll ask both of you before i I give you the the other piece of information is this a good movie with a bad title i never put much thought into the title um me neither yeah but you know now that you mention it yeah it is kind of weird well one person who did put a little thought into it uh was actually ralph macchio so uh quick shout out to the fans if you're if you're readers his book waxing on ralph macchio's book waxing on is an amazing read i've got a copy it's it's very very good but i did want to share a quick excerpt from it which is funny about him finding out the title of the film i found out they were making a film based on a newspaper article about a kid who was picked on and how martial arts helped him confront his bullies sounds intriguing it was being directed by the guy who made Rocky. First, I worked with the Godfather director and now the Rocky director. This is a really good feeling now. The character's name was Danny Weber. Hmm. Okay. I guess I could be a Weber. And the title of the script they were sending me was The Karate Kid. What? Seriously? Was this a cartoon? An after-school special? All I kept thinking was, what a silly, lame-ass title. It must be a placeholder. Gotta be a working title, right? Ralph Macchio's thoughts on the title. Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> think he's wrong. I never gave much thought of it because I was a kid when I saw it. And I was like, oh, it's just, you know, my karate peer, right? <laughs> of course, now you watch it and everybody's like in their 20s when they're filming this movie. So they're not exactly like the 14 or 15 or 16 year olds are supposed to be. I guess 16 because yep. he's driving. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I don't know. It's not a great title, but I mean, now it's just it's sort of synonymous with it. So when they do and, you know, we can we can talk about this shortly, but, you know, when they do move forward with that remake they're talking about doing or that sequel or whatever it is you know you can call it that and everyone's going to know what it is because it's just and nobody's going to bat an eye about how stupid the title sounds because it's just (laughs) it just is you know yeah well what would you call it instead i guess because i I don't like to be a problem person and not a solution person if i'm going to point out that the title is dumb and again i didn't think that i thought that when i saw ebert's review i really thought it when i saw ralph macchio's comments i thought well what would a better title have been for the film well i like the and i've never seen it at all not one episode but i like how the the spinoff series is called cobra kai yes i don't think yeah. that, would that wouldn't have worked as a title for the movie because you'd see that and be like what's that about a snake and <laughs> yeah uh, it's true because i don't know i mean maybe it is maybe it is a good title it's just it's just a collection of words that kind of sound stupid together but like <laughs> you say it and you know what it's about it's about a yeah. kid that does karate so i don't know um Sweep the leg, maybe. Yeah, Ooh, I mean, that could have been fun. You know, you call it wax on. You know, like, but, <laughs> I mean, don't call it wax off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's too many other choices that you could put in there. You know, it could be, I don't know, like. 
I'm terrible with coming up with titles and stuff, especially on the spot. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's not you want it to be something that people aren't going to go. What's that about? You know? Yeah, right. You couldn't exactly call it paint the fence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and truth be told, um, since you mentioned Cobra Kai, I actually I think this is one place where the the placement of Cobra Kai kind of elevates this entire franchise because Cobra Kai is, I was trying to think about it and Trevor, you can help me think about this. Is there such a place where there has been a movie that was successful and then a TV show spinning off of the movie the way this did doing so well and telling such a great new story with new characters because Heather and I have watched every season. We love it. Yeah. Top of my head. I can't think of any right now, but um, you know, I mean, there's been stuff that have come off of TV shows from movies. Was it Moonlighting? Isn't that one? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, that's also in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, this could have been, I mean, as far as I know, the development of the Cobra Kai TV show could have been like, what if we make a movie about, you know, Johnny and Daniel and they're like yeah. you know, older now and they have their own kids and, and that probably just blossoms into there's so much we can do with this. So why are we? Why are we limiting it to two hours on screen? Why can't we just do this? And what, it's blown up to six seasons now or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I yes. think so. Yeah, I think there is a sixth season coming, which is the, last, the one. last one. Yeah, yeah. because I'm, I mean, they can't do this indefinitely because the show has continued really with all the same characters. Truth be told, they only have one or two characters from the old movie left to bring back in because they've brought... Every, pretty much everybody from the first movie back in, including uh, Elizabeth Shoes, Allie, Mom, all those characters, even people that weren't listed in the movie, like Uncle Louie, who got like one line and then is a prominent character in the sequel in the series. Second movie they brought in, they brought in the love interest. They brought Chosen back in. Third movie, they brought Terry Silver back in, who was phenomenal. And then they brought uh, Mike Barnes back in. So, you know everybody's joking like what is Hillary Swank going to be in the next one like like they're they've got a whole lot left to do it's an excellent series just a quick stump for folks who are looking for stuff on Netflix it is an excellent excellent series and I uh, cannot say enough good things about it I, I rooted really hard for Blue Beetle because I wanted um, I'm going to say his name wrong I wanted uh, Joel Omar Duane to do well in that film because he does so well in, uh, in Cobra Kai uh, so uh, jumping back into another piece of it asking a quick question on this what part of the film do you think doesn't get enough credit the the, uh, the drunk Miyagi scene gets no credit all. <laughs> and that's probably, that's probably the, the high part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're referring to the scene where Miyagi is uh, obviously had a few on the, on a very somber anniversary for him and then mm-hmm. gives this really, really good monologue before he collapses onto the bed. Yep. That's it. That was I really sad. It is really oh, sad. Man. I don't remember that because probably when I was, you know, 10, that scene didn't interest me. So it was more like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go focus on something else until this boring thing is done. Now it's like, oh man, that's, that's rough. Like I couldn't yeah. imagine that. From a standpoint of character depth, it's like walking at a comfortable level on the beach and then you you fall into a cliff where it's like, boom, suddenly so much depth. Not to mention, I think one factor against that, that worked against it was when you watch it on the rewatch, Heather and I actually had to rewind it, slow it down and put subtitles on to fully understand what he was saying. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously he was saying it in a very thick accent, a little slowly, there was some sorrow and some sobbing in there. So it was actually kind of hard to pick out exactly what he was saying, which may have been a factor in, in, you know, us at a younger age, not picking up all the subtleties. Well, and that's his Oscar moment too. I mean, Mm -hmm, for sure. That gets him, that gets him the, um, that gets him the nomination for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Heather, what do you think is a part of the film that doesn't get enough credit? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, that's that's a tough one. I mean, because obviously all the fight scenes get lots of lots of credit and and excitement. And, you know, when he's at the dance at the high school and 
Well, what about when when Daniel goes down to uh, Miyagi's like place at the at their apartment building, and he goes in, and Miyagi's got all the plants, all the trees, mm-hmm. all the bonsai um, trees, yeah, yeah, the bonsai trees. He's got he's got them all out, and he like teaches Daniel like how to how to take care of it, and Daniel's like, I don't know, I'm gonna mess it up, and Mr. Miyagi's like, No. You can't mess it up. You just focus on the tree. You can do it. Like, I don't know. I always liked that scene. Like, I always thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite part was when he's trying to catch the flies with the chopsticks. Oh, and, yeah. And Daniel gets it on like his third try. And Miyagi just goes, beginner's luck. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's one of the benefits of having an actor like Pat Morita, who's got that comedic background is some of his lines were hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good the, delivery the, of able to pull that off. Yes. Uh, the belt line is my favorite one. <laughs> what, what belt are uh, JC Penny? yeah that one that was uh that part was was really good i really enjoyed that part i'm gonna say that the part of the film that i think doesn't get enough credit is its portrayal of the social dynamics of teenagers in high school crazy as it sounds cobra kai really zeroes in on that especially in the early seasons like the nature of what bullying looked like in the 80s versus what bullying looks like now there was a real interesting dynamic on that and just daniel for a stretch of that movie not really being able to do anything right Right. Well, he's an easy target, first of all, too, because he's the new kid in town. Yeah. So that just makes him more susceptible to that stuff. But he's not like weak, really. I mean, maybe physically, but, you know, yeah. Walks right up to Elizabeth Shue and starts talking to her, mm-hmm. you know, and he shows up at the school dance dressed like a, a, a shower, you know, like <laughs> if I tried to do that when we first moved here, like it, it, I, I wouldn't have done it because like it's not <laughs> you're you're new. You're trying to kind of figure everything out. And I guess he just sort of fits in pretty easily. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It was almost to me, a lot of that stuff kind of felt a little forced yeah. on the rewatch that I hadn't picked up before. That's like, yeah, he's a new kid. So that makes him an easy target. But he's he's clearly not intense intimidated really by everybody mm-hmm. you know because if he was intimidated he wouldn't have gone to the dance dress to something ridiculous yes yeah, he, back, yeah. he, he backs down from johnny immediately on the beach right I yeah mean, he wouldn't approach the popular good-looking girl you know especially knowing that he's that mean kid's ex-girlfriend or whatever mm-hmm. isn't that what they are what they didn't she date johnny is that is that yeah yeah, yeah they establish yeah. that they're, they're they're talking to his buddies and one of his buddies is like didn't they break up and somebody else says he did she did he didn't <laughs> yeah i did notice on the rewatch so so in that first fight where Johnny fights uh, Daniel, Johnny like hits him once and sends him to the ground and he's talking to, he's trying to talk to Allie. Daniel gets up, sticks him one, one in the face really quickly. But then as he's backing up in that fighting stance, he's got one arm up and one arm out. Like he's going to shake his hand. Like, okay, truce. I got you once. We're even truce, you know, cause he still didn't want to fight the kid. Mm-hmm. So a couple other interesting facts on this here. Uh, I did point out that the, believe it or not, the bonsai logo that was on Daniel's gi in the end of the uh-huh. movie, Pat Morita actually designed that himself. Oh, that's really cool. Nice. Yeah. That was actually, uh, actually, designed by him and uh, it should go without saying that uh, Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita continued a very long uh, and, and positive relationship after the film was over in fact uh, Ralph gave Pat's eulogy at his funeral mm. oh wow and uh, and called him his sensei Aww. we could talk about this movie for a long time I could continue to talk about this movie for a long time <laughs> but uh, in the interest of time I guess we should get to the, the point of uh, what did you think about it on the second viewing Heather let's start with you you know I mean I think I enjoyed it just as much as I did when I was a kid as far as just like seeing that relationship between Pat Morita and uh, and Ralph Macchio and I think I was able to appreciate it a lot more as an adult you know we we talked about that scene where Pat was you know 
having this really sad memory of his wife and and child and and you know those are things that you either don't really notice or don't pay much attention to as as a kid and so I was really able to appreciate that and yeah I mean this movie's just phenomenal I mean it's just from beginning to end it's just mm-hmm. well written and just heartwarming and it's just hard not to like Trevor yeah I'm kind of in the same boat like I said maybe I I found some of the some aspects of it maybe a little bit forced like the bullying maybe on the rewatch that I might not have thought back in the when I first saw it. But no, this is it still is a really great movie. And it's not just a nostalgia thing. I think that anybody could watch it for the first time right now and and find a lot to like about it. I mean, it's Daniel's an easy character to root for. And his friendship with Miyagi is genuine. And the the two of them have really good chemistry together on Mm -hmm. screen. I I think it does stand the test of time, which is why we why we do this, why we rewatch this stuff, because, I mean, the movie's 40 years old now. And it's just it's crazy to think that that's it's been around that long. And we still talk about it because there's a heck of a lot of other movies that came out 40 years ago that are not anywhere near somebody's thoughts anymore. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's true. You can look at, I mean, you, you look at some of the stuff. I like looking at the old nominations for movies in those years and you kind of look at them and it's like, what was going on at that time that these were the five movies that stood out in this particular mm-hmm. category? These were the five people that stood out in this particular category because, you know, you look at like, you know, and we'll get to it next year when we talk about Back to the Future at some point, I'm sure. But like, how is that movie not nominated for like everything, you know? Yeah. And instead some boring sleeper like out of Africa is the one that wins you know and does anyone talk about that at all no no yeah. one even remembers that and I mean even people of a certain age at some point don't even know that that movie even exists you know mm-hmm. and I mean is this movie worthy for a best picture nominee in 1984 I mean what was up for that the killing fields a passage to India places of the heart a soldier's story and then the one that wins it which is undeniable is Amadeus mm-hmm. but I mean any one of those four or could they come out and replace with with this? Is it that kind of high quality movie? I mean, I kind of think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at some of the other ones that come out that year that are nominated in other categories or whatever. But like Beverly Hills Cop was 84. Splash mm-hmm. was 84. Purple Rain was 84. So like, I, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Dune, Dune in 84. Oh, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Ghostbusters. Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Well, and, and that might be interesting, right? That'd be an interesting undertaking to do a uh, to do like a like a 20 years later Oscars ceremony like. What are the ones that would nominate? What are the ones that would win? They used to do that, actually. And I can't remember exactly what it was called or when they stopped, but it was like 2020 hindsight awards or something. Yeah. Kind of like a draft, right? Where we see who who gets drafted. And then like five years later, we redraft it based on what we thought should have been the Mm -hmm. case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Like I remember they did one. um, It was like 2016, I think. Was that right? Yeah, it would have been 2016, I guess. They, I kind of look it up. I can't remember what it is, but it's like the 2020 hindsight awards or something like that hindsight's Mm -hmm. always 2020 and i remember the first time i think i was aware this was going on was like in 16 maybe i think they you know they went back into 20 years ago what should have won best picture fargo Mm -hmm. there's a tv series that i blanked on Mm -hmm. that was a movie that (laughs) turned into a tv series completely blanked on that one and how could i forget mash what the hell yes very fertile ground for stories there too Mm -hmm. well i guess to to put a bow on it for myself in terms of the rewatch i've never watched this film and not liked anything about it let me rephrase that i've never not watched this film and and seen something that was i don't like that like i just it's one of those kind of timeless movies for me always enjoy watching it the tournament scene is always so fun to watch always so enjoyable 
the way it develops, the way it goes, kind of the character. In fact, another un, kind of underlooked at character is I think Bobby, one of the Cobra Kai, is the one Cobra Kai who consistently tries to rein in Johnny. Like the, yeah. the skeleton scene when they're literally beating the dog crap out of him. Bobby's the one that's like, leave him alone. He's had enough. He's mm-hmm. the one that rebels against Kreese, but ultimately still does what Kreese tells him to do and, and getting uh, Daniel on the and then immediately going to the ground and apologizing. A lot of little wrinkles to appreciate in that film as it goes on. And I do, for the record, hot take, really love the second and third movie. I think they're I think they're also quite good. Those movies bore the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. Did you know that Pat Morita was nominated for an Academy Award for part one and a Golden Raspberry for part three? Oh, you're kidding. No. Oh, gosh. You know what's crazy? One of my favorite scenes between Miyagi and Daniel happens in part three. Huh. Which Um, one? So in part three, you know, again, spoiler for the people who've seen this movie in a while. Part three is where Terry Silver's master plan is to get Daniel into the championship match, you know, via this like technicality where Daniel literally just gets to show up and fight for the title is uh, for Mike Barnes to literally beat him into submission by getting a point on him and then getting DQ'd and getting the point taken away like three and four times back and forth just to punish him. To wear him out too. Right. And uh, and, and in fact injure him. And so there's a time on the mat when uh, Marita and, uh, and Ralph, Ralph Macho were there and Daniel's rolling around on the mat in pain like, no, Mr. Miyagi, it's it. I'm done. It's over. This is it. He's got me. I'm afraid. And Pat Marita for the first time in the entire franchise basically yells in Daniel's face. Go back and watch it again if you haven't seen it. But he's like, he just goes, you know, Dan's like, hi! And just says it's really great uh, says this really great thing like it's okay to lose to your opponent. You can't lose to fear. Says something. Big scene comes up. He beats Mike Barnes again. I loved it. I honestly kind of wished it had taken place in the original film. But no, I did like those movies as well. And again, with Cobra Kai, it's kind of elevated it for me. God, a Razzie for the third film. He wasn't that bad. No, no man. I, I'm not going to oh. be going back to rewatch those. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I I do have uh one one thing about this. And Scotty, it's something I never really thought about until you pointed it out when we sat down and watched it. You know, they're moving across country and Daniel's mom is like, did I tell you about the pool? And he's like, yes, mom. Like <laughs> She's pushing times. this pool hard. Yeah. Yeah. If Mr. Miyagi is the fix it guy and he can fix everything else, why hasn't he fixed the pool? He's going to get to it. He's getting is, to it. He's getting to is it. Is it a funding issue? <laughs> he's, wait, he's waiting for a part to come in the mail, but it's coming We're- from China. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna say that because Miyagi's character is very fastidious and detail oriented for the rest of the entire movie. But there's that one blemish, that pool that won't work. Maybe it's they won't give him the money he needs to fix it or something. Maybe that's what it is. I never picked up on that. And how about we talked about how great Randy Heller is as the mom? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I forgot I've been doing a rewatch recently of Mad Men, and I forgot that she's one of um, Don Draper's secretaries on that show. Mm-hmm. And she's the only one that like stands up to him. It's perfect. <laughs> Man, I do think the movie holds up. I think it continues to hold up. Uh, One other fun note I would point out about the entire franchise is, uh, did you know that across all of the fights in all three movies, Pat Morita does go up against every bad guy pretty much in all the movies. Mm -hmm. He goes up against uh, Johnny. He goes up against Chosen. He goes up against Kreese, Silver, Mike Barnes, all of them. How many times does he get hit? Once. None. Once. In one fight. It's uh, in Karate Kid Part Two. He's, he's uh, Daniel's fighting Chosen Henchmen. They're beating him up. Miyagi jumps in. He steps in to help Daniel with something, and one henchman lands a really light strike on his back. Other than that, Pat Morita wrecks the entire. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Miyagi. Pat Morita wrecks 
everybody across every franchise. So, you know, shout out Pat Morita, which of course could lead me on a wonderful rant about why that Karate Kid remix was so bad. But I, I just, I, I don't know that I want to go to that trauma right now. And I haven't even seen the movie. Let's, Still haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, let's not. Let's well, not. then there's the one that's coming that's going to be, was it Ralph Macchio and Jackie Chan? Oh, we talk about that. I am going to trauma dump. I don't understand what's going <laughs> on with that. Me um, maybe I'm gatekeeping, but in fact, I probably definitely am gatekeeping, but there was just so much about that Karate Kid, that first Karate Kid remake, I did not understand. Like, why? Part of Mr. Miyagi's thing is when you look at Mr. Miyagi, you don't think he's going to be able to beat you in a fight. And then Not he does. Yeah, yeah. When you look at somebody who looks like Jackie Chan, your first thought is probably shouldn't fight with him. No matter how <laughs> old, tired, and hairy you want to make him look, he's still Jackie Chan. <laughs> Yep. Sorry. That's that's deep breath. Got to move on from that. But anyway, that uh, that does it for us for leaving the Karate Kid in the rearview mirror. And uh, I guess now it's time to fire up Computron and see what our next movie is going to be for February, the month of love. All Please right. God, no no romantic comedies. I've I've had my quota for six months of, of no romantic. Okay. All right, here we you go. You don't want to watch the Notebook? And that that is a possibility. That's a very real possibility, Scotty. Dear Heavenly Father. Yeah. <laughs> I know I haven't asked you for a lot this year. Been a real. I haven't asked you for a lot this year, but but please no. I don't want to see the Notebook again. I would really Yours. love to forget it just the same way that they did. Just bring out a box of tissues, Scotty. There's the the, the year is young. You haven't asked for much yet. You haven't had much of a chance. Yeah, we're, we're right. thirteen. Are you my defense attorney or my prosecution, Trevor? Good lord. Both. Here we go. Let's fire it up. Let's let it rip. Let's see where we land. All right, and stop. Okay. It's some romance for you, Scotty. I'm sorry. Yay. But it's it's uh it's romance in traumatic situations, which never leads very well to to actual love. Uh okay, so we're I'm... gonna watch we're gonna watch Keanu and Sandra Bullock tackle, <laughs> tackle a bus for its what? anniversary. Hey we're gonna watch speed. Yes. That's a romantic comedy I can get behind right there. Love brought out by trauma. That's right. But those relationships don't work out. So we can't base our relationship on that, apparently, according to, <laughs> according to Keanu and, and Sandra in that one. OK, I'm, I'm excited. Speed is a great movie. Questionable Speed physics, is, but a great movie. Speed is a great movie. At least that's what we remember it. Let's see what we think uh, on the rewatch, which is why we do this. That's right. <laughs> Pop quiz, hot shot. There's a movie you haven't seen in a very long time that you think is good. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. What do you do? We watch it again. <laughs> uh, well, folks, it's been a pleasure to talk uh, about Cobra Kai, uh, Miyagi Do Karate, and the rest of the Karate Kid universe with you. Please do follow us on our socials to continue the conversation. Uh, let us know how you feel about speed. We're really excited to take that on. In the meantime, do keep your antenna up for our first side project podcast, uh, where we're going to do all about Eve, looking at famous best picture winners. But in the meantime, uh, we hope you get the chance to look at some old films with new eyes. 